he was only two months old. Uh, now she is a professor at the Virginia Commonwealth, and and uh, and 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 I didn't think I was that old, <laughs> but uh, when I thought about it, uh, 1992, that 27 years, and I thought I was only 35 years old. But you know what? Uh, in January, uh, in December or January, in December 93, uh, I moved back to Haiti uh, with my family. And then in May 1994, we started the first church plant. And so the church existed uh, for like 25 years. And I was thinking about 25 years. That's like a quarter of a century. You know, a quarter of a century. And, and I'm thinking about all those, all, everything that happened during that time, during a quarter of a century. And it just, uh, I just want to thank the Lord for what he has done over those years. Uh, and I want to thank you, thank this church, for being behind us most of those 25 years. Uh, the way that you have uh, supported us, the way that you have sent your people over to be with us. Uh, and... Like I can say that 25 years, that's not 25 days. So uh, without the Lord's faithfulness, uh, we couldn't be talking about that. This is why at the end of October, the last weekend in October, we're going to celebrate to the glory of God those 25 years of ministry. Uh, this morning I want to share the word of God with you. Uh, I want to share with you two different passages, uh, two different verses uh, that are very common to you. In fact, many of you don't, don't even need a Bible to talk about these verses because they are, everybody knows about these verses. You're talking about the book of Romans chapter 12. Romans chapter 12, and almost everybody knows about these two verses that says, I urge you, brothers and sisters, by the mercies of God, eh, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Then in verse 2, it says, Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God will is, is good, pleasing, and perfect will. And this is the word of God. And uh, when we are thinking about this passage, these two verses, we Christians sometimes we think about the first verse. The first verse is say, present your body as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto God. And 
we all agree on that. If we start having a debate about the first verse, uh, everybody here probably would be on the same page. Because we all believers believe that we should be living a holy life. We all believe that we should be uh, uh, sanctified. We all know that there are certain things we shouldn't be doing. So, uh, so there wouldn't be much disagreement on presenting our bodies a living sacrifice, presenting our bodies as holy and acceptable unto God. But then, we come to the second verse. When we come to the second verse, that's where the argument comes from. And this is what I'm going to talk to you about today. Where the Bible says, do not be conformed to this world, but be, do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Being conformed to this world. That's when we open the, now if we open the debate on verse 2, we're going to start thinking about, we're going to have an issue. We're going to start discussing. We're going to start maybe having some issue we don't agree on. Because it's very, uh, it's a very uh, difficult to assimilate when the Bible is telling us, do not be conformed to this world. You know, like this passage is focused upon two words. This verse is focused upon two different words. First, we have to conform. And then we have the world. Understanding what those two means help us to understand what God is telling us this morning. When God is telling us not to be conformed to this world, we have to understand what it means to conform and what it means not to conform to this world. And then we have a good grasp of what God is trying to tell us. I went to the dictionary. I went to the dictionary in trying to understand what it means to conform or not to conform. I went to the dictionary and looked at different meanings of the word to conform. When the Bible said, do not be conformed to this world. Here's what I found out. It means like the Bible is saying here, don't comply to the rules of the world. The world has certain rules and regulations. Don't comply to them. That's what the Bible is saying here. Another way we can see it, say it is that don't behave like the world. That's what it means not to conform to this world. Another way we can say it is that don't take the shape of the world. Another way we can say it is that don't be identical to the world. Another way we can say it is that don't try to adapt to the world. Or to conform is to behave in a way that most of the people behave. So, so we have to, uh, in fact, like I say, as a believer, we have to be distant. We have to be different from what the worst of the world is. 
So when the Bible is telling us not to conform to this world, that's kind of what he's talking about. Like several years ago, back in 1979, I had the experience of moving to the United States. I can remember that day in April that I get on a plane that at that time in that that it was it was called Eastern Airline. I get on Eastern Airline. And on Eastern Airline I bought Eastern Airline in Port au Prince and flew to Miami. Uh, then from Miami I had to get another flight and join a family in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. And, you know, one thing I found out the first time I get to the United States, I found out it was so different. And I found out that I had to adapt to the culture. I found out that I had to live a different lifestyle. I can remember one day uh, they served me some food. I didn't like it. The lady I was staying with a family and I told her, uh, uh, she said, why don't you eat? And I said, I don't like it. And later on, the husband called me uh, in the room and said, I want to tell you something. In America, even if you don't like the food, you have to say, it's good, it's tasty, yo, that's so delicious. Can I have the recipe? You know, <laughs> you know that, that I have to adapt uh, to the life in America. So, so now, if I go to your house, you serve me food. Even if I don't like it, I know the American will have to say, oh, this is so tasty, this is so delicious, and that makes you feel good. And, and she said, now you make my wife feel so bad. But you know, and I had to learn those things. You know, so I had to learn a way of life. I had to learn English. I had to learn how to get around. And, and I always told my friends from Haiti, I don't want to live in the United States and live in a Haitian community in Miami or in Chicago or in New York. I might as well stay in Haiti. You know, I, I don't want to, uh, if, if I want to, if I, if I don't want to be from China and live in a Chinese community in the United States, I might as well go back to China. And that's the same thing. Why do I have to fly to the other side to be a Christian and still live like non-believers? I might as well be non-believers. You know? I might as well be non-believers. Why do I have, you know, the same way when I come to America, I have to adapt to American culture. When I come to the Christian circle, to the Christian world, I have to adapt to the Christian world. And I, I, I don't, now I don't conform myself to the other lifestyle. Now I conform myself to the Christian lifestyle. And then that's what, uh, becoming a Christian, we have to adapt. We have to take the shape of a Christian. We have to live life like a Christian. We have to adjust to the Christian culture. 
Why can't I have to adjust to the American culture, but I cannot adapt, I cannot adjust to the Christian culture. If you go to Haiti, you have to adjust to the Haitian culture. You have to learn how to eat the food. But when you become a Christian, you have to adjust to the Christian culture also. To know what it means to think like a Christian. To live like a Christian. I know that if I don't think like an American living in America, if I, don't, if I do certain things that they do in Haiti, you're going to think that I'm weird. Right? If I, if I start doing certain things they do in Haiti, and I start to do them here, you're going to think that I'm weird. It's the same thing when you are living as a Christian, and you do the certain things that are not Christian-like, in a sense you become weird. Let me tell you something. The example of Daniel. In Daniel chapter 3 verse 12, that you have the example of somebody, some people, who didn't want to conform to the world. Like you're talking about the example. There are certain Jews whom you have appointed over the administration of the province of Babylon. Namely, Shadiak, Meshach, and Abednego. These men, O king, have disregarded you. They do not see you as God or worship the golden image which you have set up. These men decided in Babylon they, make to, they need to make a stand. They need to stand up because they believe that they worship Yahweh, they believe in Yahweh, and they are not going to comply to what the king of Babylon has said. And then in Romans chapter 6, the Bible says that all of us being baptized into Christ Jesus, we have been buried with him through baptism. And because we have been buried with him through baptism, now we are walking in newness of life. There has been a change. Now we are walking in newness of life. In Second Corinthians 4 verse 4, the Bible says that the God of this world has blinded the mind of unbelievers so that they cannot see the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. You know, Satan is the God of this world. And he is good at deceit. He wants you to conform to his schemes instead of following the true light and worship the true God. He goes from all angles to blind our mind because his goal is that he doesn't want you believers to see the glory of Christ, to experience the glory of Christ, to experience the fullness and the blessing that you can find in Christ Jesus. Certain know that there is something great, of great value in the light, in the gospel, and he doesn't want you to experience that. So the Bible is telling us not to be conformed to his techniques. And here he said not to be conformed to this world. When Paul is speaking about the world here, he's referring to, uh, to this world spoken by John in First John chapter 2. Uh, in First John chapter 2, the Bible says that... Uh, Love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. And, and John talks about the things that are in the world. 
the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, of the eyes and the pride of life. That the kind of thing he, he, he's talking about. He, when I speak to my people at my church in Haiti about this passage, I was explaining to them about how there are two different thrones. There are two different thrones. There are two different places where you can go and be under. First, you have the throne of God. The throne of God, eh, what it, it is headed by Jesus Christ. Christ is the head. And we are supposed to be conformed to the throne of God. And it's headed by Jesus Christ. The church is like an army of that throne of God. The goal of that the throne of God is the people eh, under the throne of God is to glorify God. And the goal is to exalt the name of God. The, the goal is to aim towards sanctification. That's the throne of God. And, and I am glad that maybe most of you, probably many of you, are under that umbrella this morning. And where, like you want to glorify God, you want under the headship, the lordship of the Lord Jesus Christ. And we want to say praise the Lord for you for that. Then you have the throne of the throne of Satan. It's headed by its king, Lucifer. And this is the enemy of God. And what prevails in that realm is the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eye, and pride of life. This is the world that the Bible is telling us here not to be conformed to. In fact, uh, we try to define the world. How to define the, the just like we define to be conformed, how to define the world. Uh, many people have said that the world that we should not be conformed to, it's a system. It's a system uh, that leaves God out. It's like God is out. So when you have the umbrella where the throne of God is, and you have the umbrella where the throne of Satan is, I just want you to know, believers, today, that there is no middle ground. And a lot of the time, Satan wants us to believe that there is a middle ground. He wants us to believe that we can be Christian with one foot in and one foot out. One foot for Jesus and one foot for somebody else, you know? And I want you to know that there is no middle ground. Because the world itself is an organized system headed by Satan. The world, when, when are you under the umbrella of the world that when you leave God out? Whenever you leave God out. Let me tell you something. In a practical way, if, if God is out of your family, if you take God out of your family, then Satan is the head of your family. Let me, it's very easy. Uh, one thing that I know is that <clears throat> when I was, when, when we were growing up, my parents have nine children. My mom and dad have nine children. Every morning when we wake up, dad would wake us up every morning about seven or six, seven o'clock to get ready for school. And we have family devotion. 
And this is what kind of held us together. The family devotion. But do you know that sometimes it's so easy to wake up and we don't pray, we don't talk to God and we get in the world and do our business and then in the evening we come back home, watch TV, eat and then go back to bed and wake up the next day and do the same thing again and then before you know it, God is out of your life. And if God is out of your life, you are under the umbrella of the devil. Then he becomes your Lord without you realizing it. And then, <clears throat> so the same thing. If you take God out of your business, then Satan is the head of that business. If you take God out of the United States of America, then Lucifer becomes the king of America. If you take Satan out of your schools, if you take God out of your school, then Satan becomes the head of that school. If you take God out of your life, then Satan becomes the Lord of your life. Or if you take, you might, you might think that's not possible, you might take God out of your church. Then you start having bickering. You start turning against each other. You start fighting each other. And you know, and Satan becomes become the owner and the Lord of this church. And then that's, that's what, that's what the Bible says, is telling us not to conform to this world. Because before you know it, it takes possession of what you are. It takes possession of what you do. And this is why we have been delivered from. Uh, this is why Jesus came to rescue us from the evil world. Let me tell you something in Titus chapter 3. In, in Titus chapter 3, uh, the Bible says that uh, uh, at one time we were foolish, uh, like we were under the world system. We were foolish, disobedient, deceived, and enslaved by all kind of passion and pleasure. We live in malice and envy, being hated and hating one another. And then the Bible says, when the kindness and love of God as Savior appear, He saved us. Not because of righteousness, righteous things we have done. So, we were under the world. God rescued us to His love. And then, when we go to Ephesians chapter 2, in Ephesians chapter 2, the Bible says that, uh, in Ephesians chapter 2, that... Uh, we were dead in our trespasses. Uh, in, uh, we used to live when we followed the ways of the world. We followed the ways of the Lord, of the world, and of the ruler of the kingdom of the air. The spirit who is now at work in those who are disobedient. And the Bible says, but because of his great love for us, God in his rich mercy. What he did. So that means, that means, so we used to be in this world. We used to be under the control of this world. We used to conform to this world. God has rescued us. You know, I love to fly at night. When we're talking about the world, I love to fly at night. At night time. My wife doesn't like to fly at night time because she said that, oh my goodness, do the pilots see? 
it's so dark that, you know, she doesn't like to fly at night. She said, don't you fly at night. But I, like, I love to fly at night. Uh, when the plane is ready to land, that's what I like. I like to sit by the window. And, and I see all the beautiful buildings with all the lights. You know, when you, come, when you land in the big cities, it's so wonderful. And, and, you know, two nights ago, I was out in Chicago. And I, 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 was, I, was, I marvel at the beauty of the city. When, we, when I'm driving in the expressway, uh, I, see, I, I, saw, I saw those buildings. It's like I'm coming right into the buildings. And they're so beautiful. Uh, you know, I've been to most of the major cities in the United States, traveling due to ministry. And, you know, going to, to, to Chicago, to L.A., to Washington, to Dallas, to Miami, Pittsburgh, Orlando, and many other cities. And it's so beautiful. And I can think, like, you know, like a, of the beautiful building, a, the beautiful cars. Sometimes uh, when you are driving and looking, uh, uh, my boys, when we are driving with them, and every time they see a car, to say, this is a Porsche, this is a, a such and such car, and talking about all the beautiful cars, you start thinking of billions and trillions of dollars spent over the years to accumulate all these things. One thing we know, and, and when you think of billions and trillions of dollars spent, and I start to think that, you know, all these things will pass away. They're not there forever. No matter how much your house costs, no matter how beautiful it is, it will become old. And you may even have to move out because it will deteriorate. And you build that beautiful house and it's so beautiful when you move in. And you know, after 10, 15 years, you have to do a remodeling, uh, to, remodel, to remodel it because, like say, you have to do something, some work in it because it's so, you know, because it's not safe anymore. It's not beautiful anymore. You know, several years ago, I had to go to Port-au-Prince to get a brand new truck. And when I saw the truck, I loved it. And I was driving the truck to, back to Cap Haitian. It's so beautiful. And there is so... So, there is something special about the smell of a brand new vehicle. When you go, you smell it, and it's, it, it's, it smells so good, and they have plastic around all the seats. It's so, it's so nice. You know, uh, the, the next thing I say, I want to go to my village with the truck to show my dad the truck that we just bought. And everybody was excited to see it. You know, then my dad say. You know, this is so sad. I say, Dad, what is so sad? He said, in 10, 15 years, this truck will be in the junkyard. <laughs> it will be in the junkyard. You know, the beautiful vehicle you are proud of will someday be in the junkyard. The thing that you are fighting for, it will pass away. It will fly away. It will, be, it will be in the junkyard. It will, it will have no value. Because the value of everything you are fighting for is temporary. You know, this is why we don't want to conform to this age. 
This is why uh, we understand that this age is an age of sinful darkness. This is that why God rescued by the Lord Jesus Christ. In fact, we don't want to conform ourselves to something that will rot. We don't want to conform ourselves to something that will disappear in a little while. Paul is saying that we must value the eternal. All our possession, everything that we own, everything that we fight for, everything we conform ourselves to, will disappear. The only thing that is eternal is what we do for the Lord. I want you to know that the only thing that is eternal is our relationship with Jesus Christ. The only thing that is eternal is the souls that we went to the gospel. The only thing that is eternal is a life of sanctification. The only thing that is eternal is our love for the Lord. The only thing that is eternal is our investment in the Lord's kingdom. This is what is eternal. This is why we know that the only kingdom, the kingdom of Satan will disappear. The kingdom of God will be there forever. In fact, like say in Revelation chapter 11, it's the kingdom of the world has become the kingdom of our Lord and his Messiah. And his reign will be forever and ever. So we don't want to conform to this world. To this age, because this age will disappear. But we want to submit our life to the Lordship of Christ and conform ourselves to a life of sanctification, to a life that is conformed to the likeness of Christ, because this is what is eternal. Let's fight for what is eternal. Let's live for what is eternal. Let's value what is eternal. And great blessing will be upon us. Lord, we thank you because you have saved us. We are, you have rescued us from this awful world. And today, Lord, you have made of us precious people who can worship you. We give our lives to you. And today... Lord, we pray that you can touch the lives of everyone here so that your word eh, may be grounded in them and they can live for you in their daily lives. They can eh, give themselves wholly to you. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen.